to the official podcast of FCS Fans Nation with your host, Kyler Neal, Matthew Frazee, and Lawrence Smith. FCS Fans Nation, welcome back to another episode on our podcast. We've got another fun episode for you this week. As always, myself, Lawrence Smith, joined by my good friend and co-host, our Bison admin, Matthew Frazee. Also this week, we have a special guest, Eastern Washington beat writer Ryan Collingwood from the Spokesman Review. How are you today, Ryan? Well, not too bad, man. Just uh, these first Tuesday, Wednesday, you kind of really dive into the beat and uh, get to the meat of it for uh, Saturday stuff. So busy, but good. How about you guys? I'm doing well. Um, had a had a long day at, at work today, so I'm happy to to get here and be able to talk about some football. Matthew and I unfortunately only get to do this as a hobby. You get paid to talk and write about football, which uh, I would guess is pretty much every 13 year old Pop Warner's player's <laughs> dream. <laughs> yeah, I bet if I had your guys' job, it'd probably make more money. I'd, I'd then you know at the same time I'd probably appreciate writing more, being away from it. So it has has its uh, it's good and it's bad. <laughs> so Ryan, are you gonna be one of the individuals out there that shows Lawrence the uh, eagle way on the Infernos? As um, I'm not, I think you're aware that he's flying out from his beloved Virginia all the way across the country to Washington there to see the Eagles play on the Inferno. Um, are you gonna be there to to greet him during the game day? Hey, if he says what's up, I'll, uh, I don't know, maybe uh, if he gets there early enough, maybe I'll have a beer or something. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if, if Kelsey has told you. I'm, I'm coming out. I'm flying out this Friday and oh, spending awesome. the whole weekend out there. Awesome. Yeah, you'll love it out here. You have to come uh, check out Spokane Court Land area. It's really pretty. So, Ryan, I don't know if you've listened to our podcast before, and uh, if not, we, we like to take questions from our members on our Facebook group and answer them here. Yeah. Since uh, since you were coming on this week, we kind of asked for some Big Sky-specific questions. If you're ready, we'll go ahead and jump right into this. Yeah, I hope I can help you. This is my first year in the beat. I mean, I think I, think I know more than your average Joe, but I think I should be all right. <laughs> well, anytime we can get a paid professional on here is, is, is good for us. <laughs> right on. We'll, we'll, we'll all try to fill in what is uh, Kyler's brain, because Kyler is just knows the back sky like the back of his hand. Oh, so nice. we'll all kind of work together and try to help each other out here. Great. Sounds good. Can you just talk a little bit maybe about the the state of the big sky this year? You know, from our perspective, I'm a CAA guy. Matthew's a Missouri Valley guy. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we've been saying all season that the big sky looks to be improved this year. You know, as a conference as a whole, they're up, whereas the Missouri Valley, maybe it's a little bit down. Do you agree with that assessment from about the big sky? I don't know. I mean, I think when the big sky was, I mean, maybe maybe five weeks ago, I would have agreed with that. I think what's happened, I mean, it, right now it's looking, looking a little top-heavy. You know, I think four or five teams are starting to really establish themselves. Um, I think a lot of that has to do with the inordinate amount of quarterback injuries in the conference. Like, I think, like, it's insane, man. If you're a quarter, if you're a quarter, it's like if you're a quarterback in this league, like, I don't know if they all like, you know, broke a mirror, walked under a ladder, or you know, whatever <laughs> corny Halloween theme thing I can think of. But um, they, uh, I think eight. Eight teams, eight of the 13 teams have been affected by a quarterback injury one way or the other, and a few are pretty serious. So it's really affected a lot of teams' postseason aspirations. 
And there's some, you know, some teams are beating each other up. So the resume doesn't look great because I think some of these injuries have been a factor. Like like Northern Arizona, for instance, they came into the year, I'm thinking they're going to be a top three team, you know, then they lose a huge part of their offense in case Cook is going down. It's really screwed them. And then, you know, Eastern, they're still looking pretty good right now. But, you know, having Gage Goopert out has hurt them a little bit. And, uh, you know, throughout the conference, you know, you have Southern Utah, they lost their stud quarterback. Um, Sac State, you know, they looked a little mercurial, but their quarterback, I mean, he's been hurt lately. And um, you look at uh, who else, man? <laughs> there's, there's tons. Um, who's the other quarterback in the league? Who got her? Oh, uh, Jake Nibbett, Northern Colorado. He was like, he has probably the best, you know, arguably the best arm in the FCS. The guy has a cannon. Oh, my God. And then he got hurt for half of the year. I mean, it's just so many quarterbacks are going, I'm dropping like flies. And Idaho runs a two-quarterback system, and one of their quarterbacks is in battling injury. Uh, Beaver State has been a two-quarterback for the most part, and then their quarterback, his leg basically snapped and snapped off. Like, I don't know if you saw that crazy highlight, but – uh, or low light, I guess, if you're a Weaver State fan, but Caden Jenks, he uh, got a really serious injury. He, like his leg, his ankle basically just snapped and like went behind his. It was gross. So stuff like that has really affected, I think, the the complexion of the of the conference. I think there's some good teams and at full strength, but right now, you know, you got to look at, uh, you know. Eastern, if, if Goobert comes back for the next couple of weeks, they're going to be – I think they'll still be a top – legit top 10 team. Uh, UC Davis is is great. They're, they're, they're clicking on all cylinders right now. Weber State has the best – probably – I mean, I, I've seen a few defenses in, in, around the country, but I haven't seen any as good as uh, Weber State's. I mean, they might have better personnel on both sides of the ball, but as far as just a solely a defensive unit, def, uh, Weber State is unreal. And then um, Idaho State – is uh, they can put up points, and they should, they actually should have beat UC Davis. I mean, they it came down. Idaho, it was they went down to UC Davis. Uh, you know, in the, in the final seconds, Idaho State if they hit, if they hit a chip shot, they win. They miss, go to OT and lose. Um, so I mean, Idaho State's they, they seem to be the real deal. And then North Dakota, they're not in the conference anymore. It's really weird. North Dakota, they're so fringy. It's like they're not in the conference, but they affect the conference standings. And I feel like they're kind of you know, a de facto big sky team and they look pretty tough because they're playing, you know, every team in the league so well. So it's a good league. It's a pretty good league. Uh, the Missouri Valley looks unreal. So I don't know. I, I, I would definitely think the Missouri Valley is the better conference right now. I think the opinion was that the Valley might be a little bit down this year. And I think top heavy, it may be down in terms of like not as superior, maybe up at the mm-hmm. top. I think Illinois State is a really good team. I don't think what NDSU did to them should be taken for for granted. No. They're, they're a really good football team. Um, it's just the the lower tier teams in the Valley have performed a lot better. Um, Missouri State is typically horrible. They're at four and three. Uh, Western Illinois, Youngstown State, they're having bad years, but they're still at three mm-hmm. and four. Just the Valley's done pretty well. But I'm very impressed with the Big Sky. And I don't want to go off into a Valley talk here, but <laughs> the Big Sky's done phenomenal this year. I mean, just look at the polls and look at what they're doing. Um, and I'll, I'm excited to hear more about some of these questions. So, uh, Lawrence, what else do we got from the page for, for Mr. Ryan here? So he mentioned North Dakota, which is perfect because we've got a question specifically about North Dakota. 
Uh, that question is, if North Dakota, who is technically an independent this year, makes the playoffs, do they take kind of one of the, the Big Sky's playoff spots? Or do you think the Big Sky could still get their three or four teams plus North Dakota? That's a good question because if you look at head to head, let's say it's a scenario where Idaho State is like a fringe at the end, like a fourth team maybe. Idaho State uh, beat North Dakota head to head. But um, in, in, in another instance, um, I mean, not that that always matters either. The committee, yeah, I mean, I mean, I haven't really figured them out yet. I mean, they do a pretty good job, but, you know, uh, sometimes you're like, okay, I don't know if that made sense. But um, that's a good question because, you know, because it's, it's so weird because they are, you know, they're basically a big sky team, <laughs> but, but they also beat Sam Houston State, you know. Uh, that's obviously vaulted them pretty high and uh, killed Montana. But, yeah, I think if it comes down to that third or fourth seed and, and in a, if North Dakota is just kind of hanging around there with a, with a you know, with a, you know, a pretty good record, it would be hard to not let them in the playoffs. But then if it's Idaho State, you know, it might not be Idaho State, it might just crumble down the stretch. But, you know, it would be kind of hard to pick them over Idaho State at the end there. So you think the Hawks could make the playoffs at the expense of another Big Sky team? I think so because they're basically – I feel like they kind of are a Big Sky team. So I think if you look at their record and um, you look at who they beat and who they lost to and you look at the Sam Houston State win, stuff like that, you look, you know, you put the chips on the table, you know, it's not like North Dakota North, – sorry, North Dakota went out and played, you know, colonial teams and all, you know, had this crazy schedule you know, that, that wasn't, you know, they had like they played three Missouri Valley and three colonial, you know. McNeese and all these other teams, they didn't do that. You know, they kind of just did mostly mixed guys still. So you kind of have to look at it uh, like that, I think. Right. Correct me if I'm wrong. They are still playing a, a full eight game big sky schedule. This exactly. year, right? Yeah. 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 So that's, that's what I'm saying. Like usually when you look at an independent, you're like, okay, this independent played, you know, these guys and these guys and these guys, but not the case here, you know? So. Yeah, if they're able to look at the teams that are on the bubble, and let's say hypothetically UND is, um, I think they would use some comparisons against how those big sky teams that may also be on the bubble or are already placed in, how do they perform compared to these other teams? Mm -hmm. That's probably something that's going to be a factor when it comes to how UND gets in the playoffs. Yeah. If UND wins out and beats Weber, I mean, then the sky's the limit. They could be looking at a seed. But it will be interesting to hear the committee's explanation on it for sure. Yeah, that's a big game. That uh, Weber State North Dakota again. That's going to be big. Um, but just just by just by with North Dakota, I mean they killed Montana. That was bad. I mean, and then they, uh, you know, that same going on the road and being Sam Houston State's never easy. So I mean, the resume. I mean, if they if they beat Weber and they can, you know, they win eight games, eight nine games. That's going to be uh, pretty hard to not let them in the playoffs. Matthew, I'll let you choose the next question we got up. Awesome. Sounds good. Yeah, our fans really came out for this one and answered a bunch of – or put out some really, really good questions for you. Um, I'm going to go on that's a little bit different. It's from our good friend Chris Hammond. Um, he's a big Idaho Vandal fan. He has his, his podcast and all that. Oh, cool. Um, he wants to know if the Big Sky was a 10-team league, which three teams wouldn't make the cut? I know Kyler's always talked about this. He thinks the league is too big. He thinks almost some should split off and go into different areas. Mm -hmm. um, what three teams would you be okay with to benefit the conference um, removing from it, 
removing them away and putting them in other areas. Just from proximity. I mean, when it comes to that, you got to go to proximity. But then again, you got to think, what the hell are they going to do? <laughs> like, it, like, like, right. like, like, you'd be like, okay, this is, I mean, Sac State, Cal Poly, uh, you know, <laughs> a little off the map. They're far from just about everybody. And then that would leave us down to 11. So do you take out, I mean, I think NAU is kind of a charter, you know, Southern Utah, you know, they're a little bit closer than NAU, but they have been along in, in the conference as long as NAU. <laughs> so um, yeah, that's, 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 a t- that's t- I think the obvious two are the two California schools. But I think the, right. the next one, it's like, uh, you know, do we just say screw Southern Utah? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? So I think probably, I guess maybe just because they're the newer of the of the group. So that's a good that's a good question. But you obviously don't want to break up the Northwest teams. I mean, you know, right. that's where the, the heart of the conference is for sure. So the I location. know for a fact, if oh, no. Kyler were here, he would say. Northern Colorado should get oh, the boot. Oh, oh, dude, I, I <laughs> that's a, no, that's it right there. That's it. That's the one. I, I totally spaced Northern Colorado. Yeah, Because uh, I think he said since they have joined the conference, they've won what like twelve conference games total, and, and you know they've had one five hundred season. Just absolutely don't compete at man. all. Uh, I, I've heard him say before that that they would be the first team to go. Yeah, no, 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 that, that's no, that's no, that, that that sounds about right. Yeah, for some reason that, that tells you right there the fact that I didn't even think about them how bad they are this year. <laughs> They're already not in the conference. Yeah, well, thing is, like, and, they, and I don't. And, and another question, I mean, I mean, maybe you guys know the answer to this. How many, how many Division One schools still have grass? <laughs> oh boy, that's kind of. <laughs> That's talking about dying traditions. That's one right there. I don't know the answer, but it's it's becoming less and less, even at the yeah, FCS that's, level. That's, that's yeah. more than Colorado has right there. So, if anyone wants to go and look that up and post it on our page, how many FCS schools still have grass fields, or just any? I think, or just any division, FCS or FB. I mean, I, I, if there's an FBS with grass, I I know for a fact there is, um, because Virginia Tech. Is oh, very Boston. proud. Ooh, okay. Virginia Tech is very proud of their grass. They've got a whole irrigation system underneath the field and everything, and um, they've got kind of a weird fetish with their grass too. <laughs> um, they, they they love talking about about their grass field there, at Lane Stadium. Yeah, I was wondering that because I mean I was a I was a sports writer in Texas for a while. I didn't see any grass fields, Rob, because you know, it was so rough. It's rough. So it's more of those other southern states, even where it's nice out, you know, can they maintain, you know, you know, a nice, crisp, healthy grass field? But then I guess Virginia could probably pull, you know, obviously pull that off with their climate. Yeah, we're pretty pretty temperate here. Yeah, not not too harsh in the summer and uh, fairly cold, but you know, not not bitter in the in the winters. Hey, um, Lawrence, if you might, if you don't mind, I'll, I'll ask another one since we're on the topic. Okay. Um, Mr. Ben, our great, um, actually UNC fanatic on our page. He wants to hear Ryan, um, you pick the winner of UNC versus SUU. So Southern Utah versus his uh, bears, since that's kind of, it's a bottom dweller matchup, but that's kind of a tough pick since they're both bottom dwellers. And then he has a follow on question. He wants to know if the Grizz have any chance against UC Davis. So those those two predictions for those games coming up. That's a great question with uh, 
with, you know, UNC, SUU. I mean, dude, I don't know. It has, did UNC just turn a new leaf last week with all those guys getting suspended? I mean, they killed a team that was fresh off a win over Weber State. I mean, uh, what I kind of saw, though, with, with Northern Arizona was the same thing I saw when they went to Missouri State. Um, uh, the quarterback, Bridge Gatt, had a lot of turnovers. I, I you know, when Missouri State beat him like 40 to 8, I'm like, what the hell? What's going on here? Then I realized I saw the turnovers. And then I saw the same thing when, when uh, Northern Arizona went to Greeley, but Greeley isn't, you know, quite as, you know, UNC isn't quite as good as Missouri State is this year. But, you know, at the beginning, at the beginning, uh, at the beginning of the year, I thought UNC was one of the best winless teams in the nation because they were, they were playing teams tough. Like it was, I mean, it came down to like, you know, the final quarter for like three of those four games, and they're playing ranked teams, you know, like Barry Lawson McNeese, Clay Weber. I mean, they play a lot of teams tough. And then it seems like the wheels were starting to fall off there because, you know, the losses stack up and you're 0 6. You know, it's kind of hard to bring your best, but they kind of showed me something when they went out and um, went out and smacked Southern Utah like that. Uh, Southern Utah's got a horrible defense, man. Like it's, it's like it's insane how bad they are this year. But uh, <laughs> like it's crazy. They're a well-coached team. They got some good personnel. I don't know. Maybe some things just aren't clicking or what. But um, that's a dude. That I, that's a coin flip game for me, man. To be honest, that's tough. So I'll flip a coin right now. See if I find one. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna go with UNC. I'm gonna give I'm gonna give Ben and the Bears another win. They. I don't think we have any Southern Utah fans on the page, so I'm going to go with Ben. <laughs> well, the thing is, if, if, I, if, just if to, I pick it here, I got to be consistent for the papers picks too. So, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Matthew, just and, to spite you, I'm going to go with Southern Utah on this one. <laughs> okay, perfect. Game game of the week, lock it up. UNC SUU. Yeah, I'm, I'm probably going to have to go with SUU too. I mean, I think. Uh, they have some decent players, and like they're not bad. But it, can UNC sustain that? You know, will they have a hangover even from something like that? You know, should they've been kind of they show me one week that like okay, we can play with this good team. So I'm thinking, oh man, maybe this will be the week they break through. And then right when I think UNC is going to break through, they kind of just collapse, and I'm just like, Ugh. you know what I mean? So that would not surprise me. If that was the case this week, right? So do you think? Um... So going with Southern Utah on that one, do you think the Grizz have any chance going to UC Davis uh, this weekend? No. <laughs> uh, yeah, they, uh, UC Davis takes care of business at home. I mean, uh, they sm- they smacked Idaho. Um, they, you know, they – I don't think they gave them a run, but Idaho State's got a pretty good offense this year. I mean, the Grizz have, like, that, that Grizz swagger going for them, that Hauk, you know, Hauk mojo. But I think once Portland State beat them, <laughs> it kind of just, like, you know – Things kind of fell pretty quick. Um, they're hungry for a win. I mean, I think they have. I mean, if, if they went four and out the stretch, you know, it'd be kind of you know, the, it's Montana. They bring a lot of money to the FCS with their playoff win. If they won four games in a row, so I don't think they're going to do it. But if they did, you know, the, the, they're eight. What eight and eight or nine? Uh, eight, game? I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't have the records in front of me, but they could win. You know, eight, eight. They can go eight with their four. Yeah. So they. The magic number is usually eight as far as getting, you know, legit consideration to get in. So, but no, this Davis team is, you know, I, Dan Hawkins is looking like the coach of the year in the league right now. Uh, he's got that team going. They got so many dudes on offense. 
their defense is serviceable, but what they're able to do, you know, they're so crisp and uh, they're very, you know, they're very mature team. Montana, they're still trying to find what they are, you know, you know, how inherited a bunch of guys brought some of his guys in, you know, they got a lot of tradition. They got some studs up there, but they're also young in some areas and they're not as good in some areas. So I think Montana is about a year, year or two away from being, you know, the old Montana, but um, they're a decent team, but they're just not as good as UC Davis. So do you believe, so UC Davis, serviceable defense and the offense, people can't stop talking yeah. about it. And you have Weber, and you have Weber. Let's say the matchup is Weber, UC Davis, in Frisco. From a big sky standpoint, which traditionally most people view the league as very offensive and air raid, um, who wins that matchup in Frisco between what you've said is might be the best defense and then UC Davis? Well, it's because uh, probably UC Davis because because Weber State's offense isn't very good. Um, I think they would okay. do it enough. Yeah, they Better would do balance. it enough. It'd be like a lower scoring game, but I, I if. If Weber's offense was, you know, decent, I'd be like, oh no, you know, that, that that's what's keeping Weber from being elite, elite right now is not having an offense that's out there just, you know, even if they had last, even if they had last year's offense, they'd be pretty dang good right now. I mean, they're pretty good right now. Their defense does so much for them. They get they put their offense in such a good position to do just enough. And uh, but Davis has a, an offense that I think would be able to, you know, get a couple touchdowns by him. And their and their defense would do enough to you know to snuff them out. Gotcha. Very cool. Since Matt brought up the national championship game, what are the odds that a team from the Big Sky makes it to Frisco, and which team do you think has the best shot to do that? Uh, Eastern or, or UC, Dav- UC Davis, one of those two. Yeah, those are the two that I would uh, bring up too. Yeah, let me see that. A healthy Eastern and a UC Davis for sure. Um, the they haven't. I mean, Eastern's defense right now is a pretty uh, kind of uh, unheralded uh, thing about them right now. They're. Uh, I mean, they're known for their offense, and they had they've had years where they were pretty bad on defense, but they're usually baseline's pretty decent. But now they're pretty. Uh, pretty good. They're giving up just eighteen point two points a game against Big Sky teams. And you, you you couple that with an experienced offense that's on all cylinders. That's, that's pretty good. Um, Gubru is always say the the key. Uh, Eric, uh, Eric Berrier, he's the backup. He's solid. You know he's solid. You know he had a rough time against Weber's defense. I, I think a lot of quarterbacks have a rough time against Weber's defense, especially but especially if you're a young guy who's never seen a good defense yet. You know, uh, but I think next year he'll be, he'll be, be prepared for them, but. I mean, even Gubrud in the past and Jordan West in the past, those guys had trouble against Weber. So, I mean, with Gubrud in that game, you know, it's probably like a 21 to, you know, 14 or 21 to 10, you know, something like that, you know, even 17 to 14. It's, it's, Eastern gets on the board at least they, – they at least scored two to three touchdowns, I think, if he's in the game. And uh, that was kind of the difference there. Their, their defense played their brains out, but I think we uh, – Eastern, they're healthy. Gage, Gage is what, you know – They've got a, a a pretty good shot. I think uh, they're not like you know they're just very experienced and pretty sound. There isn't like a whole lot of guys on the team who you're like, oh my god, that guy's going to the league. You know, there's there's no there's nothing like that. 
you know, on the, on the edges. I mean, maybe, you know, maybe some kind of CFL, but there isn't uh you know, their skills players are pretty solid, but there's nobody you're like, Whoa, dude, that guy's going to win outside gauge. You're like, okay, that guy's not, you know, is he a Walter Payton kind of guy? They just have a lot of, uh, very experienced front and, you know, a lot of experience on the edges that running back, good running backs. Uh, but Goober is kind of what gets that thing going and you couple that out the defense. And that's a, that's, a, that's definitely a top, a legit top five team with they're all going like, as like, like the rank number four and five right now in the polls, but right now at this second, I don't think they're top five team, but that can change in a week, you know, when, when, as players. Yeah. I'm looking at the polls. I'm like, they scored six points last week, you know, but, uh, you know, so, but I think that, that that's kind of a testament to what I think the voters know of how Eastern can be when they're healthy. So that's good for them. But um, UC Davis, I mean, I mean, they, I mean, they're just, it's weird because they haven't really accomplished much at the SCS level yet. You know what I mean? So if you're, if you're this FCS purist and you're like, you know, you're going on tradition, stuff like that, UC Davis hasn't really done jack. They've had like one winning season in their history, haven't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think Hawkins, you know, that guy, you know, you you get these these uh, ex FBS coaches who just know so many people. They're gonna get some dudes. You know, he was a uh, Boise State's head coach, right? You know, and he was Colorado's head coach. So, <laughs> I mean, you're you're able to work it a little bit and get guys to your system, and they seem to do things the right way down there, and. Uh, so it's kind of cool to see how they've, you know, you know, if one team. So NAU, they're not doing as good as everybody thought, but UC Davis is able to kind of supplant them, you know, as a, as a good team in the league. So those are, those are definitely the two teams. If, you know, if you were to pick two big sky teams, you think can make the deepest run, that's it. I mean, Weber, their defense is insane, but at some point you're you got to score some points and you got to do it. You got to do it consistently. So speaking about, gauge and and his health Mm -hmm. you're kind of our uh you're our inside guy you're you're closer to to the team than the rest of us do you can you tell us anything about gauge's status for this week he was uh he was playing football yesterday (laughs) uh at practice i mean he had no boot on he was he was taking first team reps i mean he was uh playing you know he I mean, he looked fine. I mean, I didn't, you know, but, that, but playing in practice when quarterbacks aren't getting, you know, when you're a Division One team, you don't, your quarterbacks are wearing opposite color shirts for a reason, so they don't get hit. So, I mean, for a guy not right. getting hit and stuff like that, he, you know, he looked fine. He was running around fine, throwing the ball around fine. But the fact that does playing fine translate into he'll make an appearance yeah, against that's the Idaho? Thing. That, that's the big mystery. Um, will he play football against Idaho? You know, he looked like a guy who could at least come in if Barry is playing bad. But I think Barry will do fine against against Idaho's defense, um, which is pretty decent defense. But I think Barry, I think Barry could could uh, do a serviceable job against them. But if if he doesn't, I think Gage. I mean, just from what I've seen with my own two eyeballs, you know, uh, kind of guy where you throw him in there, you know, and just see how he feels. Now, do you think it's a smart decision, or it would be a smart decision, to just go ahead and say, no, Gage is out this week, we'll probably beat Idaho anyways, let's save him, uh, give him an extra week to get ready for UC Davis? Yeah, I mean, Idaho, I mean, it's a different offense without Gage, you know? I've, I've seen Eric Berrier, like, 
Jekyll and Hyde. I saw, I saw him absolutely destroy Southern Utah. Like it was silly what things he was doing to them. But then again, that's the worst defense in the FCS. <laughs> and then I saw what the best defense in the FCS did to him, maybe or one of the best, and it was like pretty bad. So it, it, it which kind of translates to okay, Idaho somewhere between those <laughs> defenses. So Eric could just do okay and manage and have the defense kind of carry him and the running backs. I, I mean, on paper and just and, and what I've seen from both teams and Eric, he could do enough to beat him without Gage. I think I'm not saying he's gonna go out there and shred him up, but I think he'll do enough to uh, do a pretty good job. So, but uh, I think if you're, I, I think the the smart thing to do is to start Barrier, and then if somehow and, and suit up Gage. And if Barry is doing so bad to where you're like, oh my God, we need a spark, then you at that point it matters. You can't lose to Idaho. You then you put in Gage. But but uh I think it'd be dumb to start Gage this week. Unless he's like one you know, one hundred percent. Yeah, I told Kelsey earlier today, um selfishly, I would like to see Gage play, you know flying all the way across the country. You want to see yeah. you know, Walter Payton kind of guy play. But I think as a as a football guy, I agree with you. It would probably be smart to give him that extra week of rest and make sure he's back for the game that really matters. Well, Matthew, do you have anything else for Ryan tonight? I think that pretty much covers it. I, I, I'm just super appreciative that you came on, man. Your knowledge is just awesome to have on here. The fans are going to super appreciate it. And uh, I'm, I'm excited to see what Eastern does going forward. That They're a team that a lot of us picked, and we're excited to see what happens with, going forward. Yeah, ain't a problem, guys. If you, you, you guys need anything, need any, uh, I mean, you, you can DM me on Twitter or, you know, anything like that. So if you guys need any help. So. If you need any East Coast beer or anything, just tell Lawrence, like Yingling and all that, tell Lawrence what you need, and he'll, he'll pack it in his suitcase. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't have a very sophisticated palate. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway well i look forward to, to hopefully getting to meet you this weekend and uh thanks again for coming on no problem guys have a good night you too yeah, ryan thanks. thanks all righty well we certainly appreciate ryan joining us tonight that was our big sky portion of the cast matthew and i will uh we'll hang out with you guys for a little while longer we've only been running for half an hour or so what else do we have on uh on the board tonight, Matt. We've got quite a bit. Um, some just some really good questions that came from some of the fans. They're, everybody obviously is starting to get into playoff mode, and I think that's kind of what it, all this revolves around. Um, so you want to just dive right into the playoff discussion? That works for me. Sure, yeah. All right. Um, I love this one. It's from Brad Jans. He's a diehard Bison fan, and um, I'm going to ask it, and then I, I guess I'll answer it, and I'll get your opinion on it too, Lawrence. Um, could NDSU lose two of its last four games and still be a one or two seed in the playoffs? Uh, what do you think about that, Lawrence? When you think of NDSU as a nine and two team, would you see them as a number one or two, or three, four, or lower as a seed? Now, when I first read this question, my initial reaction was that there's so much respect out there for the Bison that they could probably pull it off. You know, if if anyone's going to get a number two seed at nine and two, it would have to be North Dakota State. But looking at your schedule, I don't think that that's a possibility. 
because that would mean that you had losses to two of either South Dakota, Youngstown, Missouri State, or Southern Illinois. And regardless of any of those teams being up or down this year, any any combination of two of those would be two bad losses on the Bison schedule. So I think lose one and you're still a lock for the at least the number two seed and maybe even the number one lose two and I think you probably slip into the three or four territory yeah I'm gonna have to agree with you 100 percent um we can go back to 2015 to come almost get our answer here um NDSU loses to Montana week one and then the Carson Wentz wrist injury and they lose to USD they finish the regular season at nine and two they end up as the three seed that season. Uh, Jacksonville State, obviously, Auburn in overtime and then undefeated was the number one. And then Illinois State was actually also 9-2. and two. Thing is, Illinois State lost to Iowa in FBS, and then they lost to a ranked South Dakota State, where NDSU lost to unranked USD, and then Montana, who is a first-round playoff team. So people think we've always been the one and two since the streak has started, but actually in 2015, Illinois state got upset by Richmond. We were actually the three seed. So if you're going to give me two really bad losses right at the end, which I know the committee likes to, to see, okay, did you lose early? How did you fix it? Are they hot now? Like what's going on? I don't see in any way that NDSU ends up as a one or two seed. If they drop two of these next four games, which is the easy part of their schedule. A team like James Madison or maybe Towson's probably going to only have one loss. If they have two losses, one of those is FBS where NDSU would have two FCS losses, and that's what hurt them against Illinois State. So I just don't see a reality. Um, number one, I don't see a world where NDSU loses two of these next four. But I also don't see if they do lose two that they actually maintain a one or two seed. So for NDSU, can't let off the gas, you got to keep pushing forward. So totally agree with you on that one. Um, how about we move to the Ohio Valley, Lawrence, from Mr. Brandon Owens, diehard Jacksonville State Gamecock fan. Um, he wants to know about the Ohio Valley, especially with SEMO, Southern Eastern Missouri, getting that win over Jacksonville State. He wants to know if they could be a two-bid conference with those two teams if they both win out. Do you see that as a possibility? If they both went out, that would put them each at nine and two. Correct. Yep. That... And I think that would be the only way that the Ohio Valley gets two teams into the playoffs this year. Um, as a whole, that league looks to have regressed this year. Jacksonville State lost their first conference game in a million years. Um, <laughs> Austin P, who went on a tear last year, uh, they're sitting at one and three in conference, three and four overall. You know they're out. Um, yeah, you'd have to. I th- oh no, go ahead. I think. Sorry, I think likely the Ohio Valley is looking at one bid, but. Yeah, in this, if they were to both win out, I do think that it would be two. I just, I don't think they are both going to win out. I think if I'm if I'm calling the game right now, I'm taking Kennesaw over Jacksonville. Um, 
And unfortunately for the Gamecocks, I think if they lose that game, they are likely out of the playoff field entirely. Yeah, it could be detrimental to their playoff hopes if they lose to Kennesaw. And uh, I'll, I'll stay prideful. I did pick Kennesaw out of yourself and Kyler for that in like the week zero podcast. I picked him over Jacksonville State. But we'll see how it plays out. Um, I think it relies on two games, Jacksonville State versus Kennesaw, and then Southeast Missouri State. They are going to play Murray State still on their schedule. And Murray State, they're actually number one in the conference right now. Now that game's at Southeast Missouri, so they should have an advantage there. But Murray State's actually number one in the Ohio, Ohio Valley if you look at the standings. So I think if Southeast Missouri is able to beat Murray State, the other three games, Tennessee Martin, Eastern Illinois, Tennessee State, throw them away. They're going to destroy them. Um, if they get by that game and then Jacksonville State plays up to their potential and beats Kennesaw, I don't think there's any doubt. Those are two 9-2 and two teams. You're going to put Jacksonville State in because name recognition will definitely help, but they will have a top five win over Kennesaw. So at 9-2, and two, they're going to get in. And then if you look at Southeast Missouri State, you're going to say 9-2, and two, probably won the Ohio Valley, and then beat Jacksonville State. And I guess that's a whole conversation within itself, is one of these teams is getting the auto bid, can the other one then get in at, a, at large? So that's a point that I should have brought up in the first place, but someone's winning that auto bid, and we'll see what happens from there. So I think, Brandon, um, you probably were thinking you might hear a different answer because maybe that's what we've been saying for years about the Ohio Valley, but this year it could be a possibility, but we'll see what happens. So out of the rest of these questions there, Mr. Smith, what else did you see that really that you really wanted so- to answer? There's one question that is, I saw it this morning while I was uh, browsing the thread, and it stuck out to me, and I really wanted to answer it. Um, it's from Steve Pugh, a good friend of, of our group. He wants to know, Kenneth Ma- uh, he says, Kenneth Matthew raises an interesting question regarding the Ivy League, and that question is, let me pull it up here real quick, Ivy League is third-ranked FCS conference, but doesn't participate in the playoffs. Could an undefeated Ivy team claim a national championship anyways? I think if you get the right type of talent on a team, it doesn't really matter where you're coming from, and you can be a national title contender. Um, Look at, I hate to pick on the Ohio Valley, but look at Jacksonville State. While they didn't win the national title, they were literally one game against NDSU away from winning it all. So the idea that a team from an Ivy League or the Ohio Valley or these conferences people maybe downplay can't succeed in a way to, to win it all, I, I think is pretty ridiculous. Um, so I, th- I think the question is going an opposite, uh, a different way than, than how you're taking it. Okay. So the way I'm reading this question is, since the Ivy League does not participate in the playoffs. Say Harvard, Princeton, Dartmouth, one of those teams yep. were to go 11-0. and Could they do what UCF did in the FBS last year and say, no, we're the national champions. We went undefeated. Oh, gotcha. Okay. So I think that this question is a little more complex than that because the thing you have to remember about UCF and Alabama and Ohio State 
and name any FBS team that's ever claimed a national championship, is that that's all it is. is it's a claim national championship. Absolutely. They, they did not win a NCAA officially sanctioned tournament, so they did not win an NCAA national championship. The FCS, on the other hand, has an officially sanctioned tournament where the conference winners receive auto bids completely legit all the NCAA guidelines. So when North Dakota State, when James Madison, when App State back in the day, you know, those teams win national championships in the FCS, it is a misnomer to call it a claimed national championship because they're not claiming them, they won them, and they were awarded national championships. So because the Ivy League is an FCS conference, they choose to not participate in the officially sanctioned tournament that the NCAA puts on. Therefore, I believe that they could not claim a national championship. Absolutely. That, that is so well said. It's, it's perfectly versed in terms of the difference of claiming and then this is exactly what it is. So the answer essentially is no, unless they would participate in the playoffs. But, you know, teams, teams like Colgate and others, I mean, they've had big success, went to national titles. So if you had these great Ivy League teams actually competing, um, you know, it would be fun to see what kind of damage they could do. It's unfortunate we don't get to see it, but it's fun to see what teams like Princeton and Dartmouth are doing this season, both being undefeated. Princeton's offense, I think, is statistically the best in the country, just tearing teams apart. So it, it's fun to watch. But yeah, that's a great question. Sorry I got it wrong in the beginning, but hopefully I added a little extra twist there to, to back some of these teams in the lower conferences. So I love it. All right, um, that means it is now your turn to pick a question. Sweet, because I, I love this one. Scott Moody, seven of the top 10 ranked teams were in action last weekend, and five went down to defeat. He wants to know which top 10 ranked team is most likely to lose this weekend. And I think there's so many options, so I'm excited to hear what, which one you're going to pick, Lawrence, of which top 10 well, team most likely to lose. While I pull up the the ranking why don't you go ahead and tell me what you're thinking on oh this one? it's so tough okay so south dakota state is going to illinois state and illinois state is technically number 11 so they're not top 10 um so i i think that's the heavy favorite because south dakota state is super injured right now um they they just lost a rough game at uni i mean no valley team should have to go to ndsu at uni at Illinois State, but that's just the reality they live in this year. I think they're going to start a downslide. I think it's going to continue. So I think that's the easy pick. But then I think a lot of people are intrigued by Weber going up to North Dakota. Can North Dakota pull it off? You know, um, or are they going to come off another big win and then and then kind of, you know, they're they're hot and they're cold. The Katy Perry song. That's that's UND. So that <laughs> that's another one out there. And then I think James Madison and Stony Brook is also intriguing. Because this is now going to be the next ranked opponent at the FCS level for James Madison. And while off name recognition, it's easy to maybe just pick, oh, no, they'll be fine, they'll be fine. And they they killed them last year in the playoffs. It's a new roster, and it's the next ranked opponent on James Madison's schedule, which they haven't beat one yet. I personally, out of all those ones I just mentioned, I'm going to say South Dakota State is most likely to lose. And then I don't see Weber or GMU actually losing, but um, those could also be possibilities. Everybody else, um, I'm not going to pick Montana to beat UC Davis or anything like that. And I, 
Towson at Delaware also is a very intriguing matchup. There's just so many of them. I'm just rambling. I'm going to go with South Dakota State losing to Illinois State as my pick. Lawrence, how about yourself? You're a huge uh, Campbell fan, right? I love the Campbell Camels. I apologize to Bison Nation and everybody who thinks that I'm crazy biased to the Valley and all this stuff, which I'm not. Um, That is the best mascot in football. It's the best mascot, period. It's awesome. The Campbell Camels, they're the best. Love them. The the only mascot in any NCAA sport that might give Campbell a run for their money is the uh, the banana slugs. Is I believe is it UC Santa Barbara? Are th- are they the the banana slugs? I, I I think you're right on that. I'd have to I'd have to Google it real quick, but I yeah I think you're right. Um, so you are not picking Campbell to upset Kennesaw this week, then? So. That puts me in a tough spot because while Campbell is my favorite mascot, no doubt, a top three to four fan base and hashtag of Hootie Who is the Kennesaw Owls. And I love them and I've been defending them quite a bit on the podcast. So I'm not going to pick Kennesaw to get upset at this point. Kennesaw isn't a team that, well, I think they should have beat Georgia State and I personally think that's a bad loss. They are destroying everybody who's... um, at the FCS level, that's on their schedule. So I'm not going to pick Campbell to, to upset Kennesaw at this point. And I have to agree with what you said about JMU. They are playing number 15, Stony Brook. Um, JMU's last time in Bridgeport Stadium was against Elon. Of course, we all know JMU dropped that game. I just don't see Mike Houston allowing jmu to lose two straight home games um he he won't have it it's just i it's not gonna happen take it to the bank i'm fairly certain that the uh he's gonna have the keys they're locking the damn gates and lock the damn gates yeah they're they're gonna be just fine this weekend the thing with james madison is is the next four weeks is just chaos for them um the schedule's really tough and all that so if you're going to start this brutal stretch of the next four weeks going into the playoffs, you got to get this win. And I think that team's going to know it. Coming off a bye, um, they have a lot of advantages there. So um, if you were to pick one, though, what, who would be your team to say, all right, they're going to drop. This is the week. Yeah, I, I was just about to say I've been beating around the bush. <laughs> uh, the team that I'm going to choose most likely to lose is Towson playing Delaware. Okay. They are... Towson, of course, we know, we've talked about him before, playing really well in CAA. They've got Flacco, uh, Little Flacco is their their quarterback. Elite. Elite quarterback. Delaware, after they came up to Fargo and kind of got smacked around, people were starting to question, you know, are, are they legit or not? But they have climbed their way back into the top 25. They're sitting at number 21 in the stats poll right now. They're 5-2. and two. I think I'm actually going to pick Delaware to win this game. So I'll go further than saying Towson is just the most likely to lose and say I think they are going to lose. Dang, put your name on it. I love it. I think that's a really good pick. Yeah, give me Delaware over Towson this week. 
And I still think Towson is a very good team. Um, I th- I think they could be a second round or quarterfinals team in in the playoffs this year. That's awesome. Yeah, it's preseason. I mean, if you were like Delaware is going to lose to Towson, or it's either it's going to be competitive, people would be like, "What? You're crazy!" Because they were kind of the dark horse to be, you know, in the CAA and make the playoffs, and they're they're starting to look that way again. But Towson has been really good this year. Um, but I really like the pick. It's amazing how many good top 10 matchups there are this week. That's what's going to make it a lot of fun. So that's an incredible, incredible question. So um, I kind of want to roll into the South Dakota State-Illinois State talk by answering Adam Peterson's question. Um, Adam, you can beat me up on the page if I'm wrong. I am fairly certain he's a diehard Illinois State fan. He's wondering if Illinois State finishes the season at 8-3, and three, would they get a top 8 seed? Um, myself, personally, I think a lot of bad things have to happen to the current top 10 for that to be a reality. Because personally, I think NDSU is finishing 11-0. I think a team like UC Davis, if they go to Eastern Washington and lose, they're at 9-2. and two. Eastern's at 9-2. and two. You're, And those are two big sky teams. Um, South Dakota State, hypothetically, if Illinois State is 8-3, and three, I think it's they could lose to Northern Iowa, but it's probably maybe a loss this week because they're not losing their last two games. So then you've lost to South Dakota State. Now does South Dakota State have the advantage over you for seeding? And then you're going to look at a team like Kennesaw that's definitely going to be a seed. Um, you know, teams like Wofford, Elon, a bunch of other ones. I think there's going to be too many two-loss, one-loss teams, and even some maybe an undefeated Colgate, something like that. A uh, UND who maybe runs the table. I think there's too many options for a three-loss team to pull it off. Could it happen? Absolutely. My prediction, it won't. All the top eight seeds are going to only have two losses or lower. Um, I wish I had done the research to look into how many three-loss teams have been seeded since there's been eight seeds. I should have done more homework on that. But uh, my prediction, two losses or less are going to be the top eight seeds all the way down the board. So I can tell you that at least one three-loss team has gotten a seed before. Okay. Um, because in 2015, um, JMU, Richmond, and William & Mary all finished 6-2 and two in the CAA. Um, JMU had an FBS win, so they finished 9-2. and two. They got a seed. I think it was like 5 or 6. And then Richmond... They lost their FBS game, so they finished the season eight and three, and I think they got the the seven or eight seed that year. Um, so it's certainly possible for a three loss team to get a seed. I think uh, it depends on the other teams in your conference, though. Uh, I don't, I don't know if we've ever mentioned it on the podcast, but I think we have talked about it in in our chat before. I don't see the committee giving any conference three seeds. Yeah, so, absolutely not. In 2015, Richmond was able to get that seed out of the CAA as a three-loss team because the only team ahead of them was JMU at 9-2. and two. If you're looking at North Dakota State at potentially 11-0 and 0, and South Dakota State maybe 9-2, and two, I think it's hard to then give a third Valley team a seed, even at eight and three with presumably a, you know, a above average strength of schedule. 
Yeah, Illinois State would have had to do some miraculous stuff prior to having these three losses. Number one, okay, beat South Dakota State this week. That's a great win. Maybe, um, so they do have the FBS win, which is impressive. But a Missouri State loss is real bad. Um, if you're a top eight team in the country, maybe what happened to you against at NDSU, you know, the score doesn't dictate of how bad of a loss they took there. I mean, NDSU had them up 28 nothing in the third quarter. It's You would have had to look really impressive over those eight wins compared to your three losses. At the end of the day, I, I just don't see it happening. And well, the thing to remember with the committee, too, is the committee is not does not sit there and go, well, you know, we know the Missouri Valley is so good that uh, we know they would beat these teams, so we're going to put them in this spot and this spot because we know they're better even though they're right. No, no, no. They, they don't look at that. So they're not concerned about, um, you know, the fact that Western Illinois was won 6-5 and five in the first round and, and beat somebody as the last team in because they came from the Valley. No, they're, if they see Jacksonville State, who beat Kennesaw at the end at 9-2, and two, that team is seeded even if they think Illinois State's a better team. I mean, that they're going off resume, and they're not going off what they think. So. Now, one thing I did not consider that I just realized, if Illinois State beats South Dakota State, that likely knocks SDSU out of a seed. Absolutely. South Dakota State is, um, I got to give complete credit to the, the Bison Illustrated podcast for this one, Swanee and the boys. Um, they made the point of how lucky is South Dakota State that that Iowa State game is canceled. Because let's say they lose this week, that's going to give them their third loss. Well, if they had played Iowa State, rational people believe that they would lose. That's four losses. And then you've got three Valley games remaining, one of them with your rival USD. At a fifth loss, you are done. Four, you are a fringe, fringe playoff team. So South Dakota State may benefit from the fact that no FBS games on their schedule, while it's not counted against them, it, they'd still you'd still see six and five, and it's not going to look pretty. So, I mean, even at six and four, it's not going to look pretty. So, South Dakota State is playing for their playoff life. I think Illinois State, um, with the FBS win, uh, has a better chance to make it with four losses than South Dakota State at four losses. Um, so, but- to to wrap back around to the question. If Illinois State beats South Dakota State and then goes on to finish with three losses, I will amend my statement and say I do believe it's possible that they get a seed because then they would be the second Valley team. Uh, correct. Yep. So that that's a good way to put it. I'm gonna say so, I'm gonna say or I'm gonna say still no, just because I think there's gonna be too much elsewhere. But I do think I could see a total argument for them actually receiving that seed. So official verdict, possible, though probably unlikely. Right. It's um, it's kind of like all these questions about the playoffs, the seeds, things like that. A lot of dominoes have to fall over the next four weeks. Once all those dominoes fall and everything's in place, if we did a podcast Saturday evening, um, the night before this election show, I could give a lot more, nope, this is exactly how I feel. And we'll see what happens when that all comes up. You know, we can do that. Be, yeah, we should do that. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm all about that. So I think we got one last one here, Lawrence. Um, Chad, I'm going to butcher it. I always butcher one last name. You are you are the sir, you are the gentleman who gets it this week. Chad Kinkley, I think. Which teams do you see as the biggest spoilers in their conferences? So I think he's pretty much asking, 
which teams right now, maybe they're not great, maybe they're not the most elite, but they're going to spoil some things moving forward. Um, since he mentioned that in their conferences, I'm going to stick with the Missouri Valley here, and I'm going to say a team like uh, Missouri State. Missouri State is a team that is currently sitting at 4-3. and three. They had a rough loss last week, but they're a team that has shown they already beat Illinois State. Nobody would have picked them over Illinois State. Um, last game in September, they beat them 24-21. They are at South Dakota State to end, this, uh, to end the year, or second to last game, I believe. They also have North Dakota State and Northern Iowa. Those are their last three games. South Dakota State, North Dakota State, Northern Iowa. I'm not saying they're going to win them all. In a previous podcast where uh, one of our members asked if Missouri State was for real, I said definitively no. I said if they get to six wins, that's a successful season for them. They're not a playoff team. Uh, that seems to be coming true. As you look in the standings in the Missouri Valley, they're 4-3 and three overall. They just lost one to Western Illinois. Um, so maybe they can play spoiler. That's, that's the question that Chad's asking. I'll take Missouri state in the Valley to be that team that nobody would expect, but somehow upends, upends one of the Dakota teams or Northern Iowa. How about in the CAA there, Lawrence? In the CAA, I think there are, I'm going to actually give you two teams and, uh, one's probably a little, a little bit easier to, to understand than the other. First one, which probably no one will have any problem with me saying, is Rhode Island. Rhode gates. They came out of the gates really hot. Um, they were leading the CAA for a few weeks. They have now dropped two conference games. They're sitting at 500 in conference, four and three overall. I'm not sure that Rhode Island goes on and makes the playoffs at this point. Because looking at it, they've got Maine, JMU, Elon, Delaware, Stony Brook, and Towson all ahead of them in the standings. I think it's going to be hard for them to to overcome that. Um, so for as promising as their season was, I, I don't think they make the playoffs. But they certainly have the potential to ruin another team's season. The other team, the other team that I will throw out there, is William and Mary. They started their season pretty badly. They though have turned it around a little bit. They are also sitting at two and two, so it's funny to look at one team two and two is trending downwards. The other team <laughs> two and two maybe trending upwards a little bit, although. A one-game win streak for William and Mary, maybe not a trend yet, um, but I think I think the tribe have enough pieces that they could also ruin someone's season. You know, they beat Maine this past week, and Maine had been undefeated in conference. Um, it was it was setting up real nicely for Maine. They don't uh, don't play JMU this year. So they were going to avoid that uh, potential L on their schedule. They were, I'm sure they were smacking their lips saying, hey, if we just take care of business, we'll win the conference, we'll get the auto bid, maybe even get a seed out here. <laughs> and uh, Then William and Mary gave them, uh, gave them a loss, brought them back down to earth, and 
dropped them all the way to sixth in the the CAA standings. Ooh. So, Rhode Island and William and Mary. Those are my teams in the CAA. Don't overlook them because they could keep you out of a seed or keep you out of the playoffs. The spoilers, I love it. That's a great question because you know there's always going to be those teams that you're you're going to see the score, you're going to check your ESPN app, your Fox Sports app, whatever you use, and you're going to go, "What? You got to be kidding me!" And yeah, it's it's just bound to happen. So awesome, awesome stuff. Another great podcast, um, Lawrence. Some Final shout-outs and things. What do you got? Pick them. Still going. Um, I saw some conversation on the, the post this week. You know, A couple people said, oh, I got to get in on this next year. Good news. You don't have to wait until next year. Play this year. Yeah, you're down 50 points from the leader. You're not going to win the prize. Um, so, you know, don't, don't pay me at this point because <laughs> even if you are prize eligible – you're not going to win. It's for fun. But, yeah, it's for fun. We, and, you know, we've still got half of the season left if you include the playoffs. Um, keep on playing. It's You'll see the post on our page where you can go to our website and click on the contest tab. Um, like this podcast on whichever service you're listening to it on and uh, give us a rating there. Help us get some more exposure. If you've struggled through the podcast to this point and listened to our opinions and all of our craziness, I mean, come on. All you got to do is click that nice little five star and, and write something like, man, Matt is crazy. And, you know, Lawrence is probably right. I want to trust Matt with, with anything, blah, blah, blah. Don't even care what you write, but rate the stars. It would be awesome to have that. Um, that gets more exposure, helps us out. And most importantly, thank you to all of our fans on FCS Fans Nation for listening. You guys are the best. And if you're not part of the FCS Fans Nation Facebook group, that's where all of this comes from. If you're new to the podcast and randomly stumbled across 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 this craziness, make sure you check out FCS Football Fans Nation on Facebook. And that way we can get your questions answered. And thank you to Ryan Collingwood for coming on and talking Big Sky with us tonight. Yeah, absolutely. I mean... I don't know. Yeah, we had Chris Hammond. We had him. I don't Kyler, man, he's in trouble. Kyler's in a lot of trouble. <laughs> all right, well, that's all we have for tonight. Matt, it was a pleasure talking to you as always. Yes, sir. Yeah. Enjoy enjoy Eastern Washington. That's going to be an awesome, awesome experience. Buy those guys some beers for me. Oh, I am so excited. And Kelsey has been blowing up my phone all week telling me how excited <laughs> she is. Awesome. I can't wait. Well, have fun, man, and have a great night. This was awesome. Boom. Yep. Have a good one.